your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Solom. All right, welcome to a Tuesday of Lacrosse Talk PM. I am Rick Solom. In the studio with me this hour is Kaya Fox, the executive director. Yes, sir. the executive director of Habitat for Humanity Lacrosse. No dash, it's just Habitat for Humanity, right? We actually rebranded. We're oh, Habitat you? for Humanity of the Greater Lacrosse Region. So, oh, man. Yeah, we when added did, an when extra did you do county. That? We did it just a few months ago because we added Monroe County to our service area. Is this kind of like the University of Wisconsin system goes universities of Wisconsin now, and then it costs $3 million to, to oh, uh, rebrand? Thankfully, it did not cost $3 million. <laughs> I think it was uh, like maybe 5 bucks. <laughs> yeah, you just add greater lacrosse. You put it in little uh, above lacrosse. You just put a greater lacrosse region or whatever. Um, I better write that down because, okay, Habitat for Humanity of, of the, the great, greater lacrosse region. Of the greater and, and region. Um, okay, and we're going to talk about housing this hour. The, so the last time, and I should have had you on between the two times that you've come on now, but the last time I had you on, I'll just say that I got a lot of compliments Wow, that was one of the best shows you ever did. That was very interesting, this and that and the other. And, uh, well, just on top of that, I never get compliments. So <laughs> that's how good it was. Oh, so well, so now the expectations are through the roof to well, have to have a good show talking about housing. As a city of Cross, and we're gonna, I don't think we'll get into the homeless issue that much, but the, the city and the county did have a meeting yesterday on homelessness, and uh, it's still kind of the, the same old talk. And we'll see, you know, what the plan is. But it's a five-year plan to get to functional zero. And uh, it's going to be unveiled probably sometime early next year what that plan is. But the more immediate talk is, you know, always winter is coming. And, you know, where are the homeless going to go? And the, the one thing that bothers me is everyone's like, are, are, is the city going to put homeless people in the hotel again? And like they only put people in the hotel because it was COVID nineteen and the shelters were at half or a quarter capacity, so there was really no place for those people to go. And in the midst of a pandemic, there were all kinds of factors that led to that. So going into this winter, hopefully there should there should be enough shelter room. I think there was one hundred and fifteen homeless people, but um, Habitat for Humanity of the Greater Lacrosse Region. And wh- why why are you a housing expert? And then what does Habitat do in terms of housing? Like, how, do, how are those things related, Kaya? Oh, absolutely. So, you know, just the background on, on me, I have been in the affordable housing realm for, oh, it ages me, but for over 20 years now. So I worked for 13 years at Cooley Cap as a housing assistant director, and I've been at Habitat for almost eight years now as the executive director. So... You know, housing has been my passion. It's been my, basically, in my entire career has been centered around, you know, housing issues in our community and how can we find ways to shelter and support those in our community who have less than the average person. You know, how can we level that playing ground and give people access to something which is that kind of basic human need. You know, a roof over our heads, you know, shelter from the elements. And we have a lot of families in our community that either don't have shelter or the shelter that they have is is less than desirable and is not meeting basic needs and is contributing to health and educational outcomes for children and families that are perpetuated from generation to generation. So how do we work together to kind of provide those basic necessities for our fellow neighbors. And so, you know, I come from a strong uh, affordable housing background, but, you know, Habitat for Humanity, obviously, we are focused on, you know, access to home ownership, which is, again, something that especially uh, in the past few years is becoming something that gets denied 
our hardworking low-income families in our community. Less and less people are finding themselves able to move into the homeownership realm. And not only is that not great for families and the ability to build wealth and, you know, roots in our communities, but it's also not good for our communities. We need people to invest in our neighborhoods, you know, in our cities, by buying houses, paying taxes, maintaining properties. And so when we start seeing that disconnect, and especially the disconnect we've seen over the last few years, it's something that we need to start opening our eyes to and, and standing up and finding ways that we can provide access to home ownership for people that normally generations ago were able to buy houses. 608-785-7914. Kai Fox is going to hang out this hour. Okay, so when you say we can provide access... Do you mean we as a community or we as Habitat? I think it's all of the collective we. You know, okay. obviously we well, then at Habitat. How, how do you do that? Well, we build and remodel homes yep. for first-time homeowners. So I, you know, I know it seems obvious, but like. Oh, a lot of people don't know. You're right. Yeah, absolutely. So Habitat for Humanity, we, we buy vacant land. We buy distressed properties. We buy existing properties. And we either tear down, build new, rehab. We actually, in Itzen, Minnesota, moved a house from one location to another. So we find innovative ways that we can provide more housing to people in our community. Then we work with our volunteers and actually our future homeowners to build those houses. Yeah. So, you know, boots on the ground, we're there, you know, putting in windows, putting on roofs, you know, hanging light fixtures. And then at the end, we do an appraisal of the home and we sell the home to that family for the full appraised value using a 0% interest mortgage. And it's that 0% mortgage that kind of levels the playing field for low-income families. But it's a hand up, not a handout. The, the one interesting thing, too, in all of that is when you say boots on the ground, literally the person that's going to, they know they're going to move into this house. I don't know if there's ever a setback where they end up not doing it. But in doing so, they literally have to put on the tool belt and, and hammer and, and whatever. I guess maybe we, maybe we don't use hammers all that much. We use a lot of hammers. Oh, do we still? Yes, I, we I still was thinking do. like nail gun at this point. There's but, those two. But, they, but they're like, what do you call it? Sweat equity? Is there a percentage Correct. there? Or what, how much work does someone have to do to, to build their own house to move in? 150 sweat equity hours per adult in the household. So that's a lot of hours. Okay, and does what happens when somebody just like I am not that is not for me. I don't know. Then what do they do? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, and the beauty of Habitat is that we work with volunteers and homeowners that most of them that come to us don't have any construction skills, right? You know, so we're there not only to with you know licensed contractors that know how to build houses, but they're people that also know how to teach people to build houses. Yeah, and so we try and bridge that kind of gap and that fear for our families by you know showing them that you know a power drill is not a scary thing. Here's how you can use it. And, and it teaches people the systems in their houses and how their houses operate so that by the time they become a homeowner, they're a little less afraid yeah, of those sure. kind of homeowner handyman projects they have to take as a homeowner. Yeah, they probably learn quite a bit along the way if they didn't know anything to begin with because the stuff isn't like complicated once you got it kind of forget. It's not fun for some people either. I was just thinking like, dude, I, I would just revert to my childhood in, in that regard if I wasn't you know, if I didn't have any construction skills where it's had to, dad asked for the Phillips screwdriver and you hand him the, the flathead and he's like, no, I need the Phillips. So it's like, maybe it's that if I like the sweat equity could just be the runner, go getter, whatever. Oh yeah. It's that basic, you know, that intimidation that comes with, you know, never having experienced as a renter, you don't make your own repairs. You don't know some of those basic things. And so, you know, part of the education of Habitat is, is giving them that comfort and that understanding of, you know, basic home construction. How many hours do you think average does it take to build a house? 
Um, so we actually do the data. It's about 175 different volunteers and about 2,500 volunteer hours. Okay, so 2,500 hours, and you got to put 150 in. To, yep. uh Now, is it each family or each person in the family? You it's get... each adult in the family. Oh, okay. Yep. All right. 608-785-7914. We're going to talk about housing in La Crosse County and uh, you know some of the issues that we have uh, coming up, but we're going to take a break first. Get to the frozen... All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. If you got questions on housing, we're going to deep dive into this right now with Kaya Fox, the executive director of I'm going to scroll up, Habitat for Humanity of the Greater Lacrosse Region. Nice. And uh, they just rebranded people, so get it right. Um, very, very just like I saw this stat the other day. I sent it to one of my realtor friends, and and then I, it probably triggered me to be like, oh, you know what? This is a thing we should probably talk about, it, especially with the homeless talk, communication coming back uh, into the news yesterday. Um, the median price, the the amount of money somebody has to make to buy a median price home, this is nationwide, was like $114,000 a year. And I look at that and I go, but is that – lacrosse or is that wisconsin because i feel like as i was in san francisco and it's it is median so that does that's supposed to level it off but is that is that accurate One hundred fourteen thousand. where where would we be in the cross county to to just be able to afford a home yeah so the the data nowadays is that the average price of a home in the city of lacrosse is about two hundred eighty thousand dollars. and if you take into account homeowners insurance and property taxes as an escrow uh in your payment you're talking a minimum minimum just barely to afford that house is you have to be bringing in $41 per hour into that household. So, you know, whether you're a single earner or a dual earner, you know, we're talking about the upper income levels of, of paid employment here in the city of La Crosse. So it's becoming, yeah, that's 85,000 a year to, so that's, but that's the house with the mortgage and then every, all the little things that come with it, like insurance. And what did you say? What else? Is so the property the taxes. Oh, yeah, property, property tax. taxes. Yep. Okay. Uh, 85000 a year. I, I feel like that's not the median uh, income in La Crosse County. I feel like that's not even close. Yep. So, you know, for, for a family of four, that's really pushing that median income. So, you know, nowadays when we're talking about people being able to get into the housing market to become homeowners, we're not just talking about the low-income families in our community. We're starting to talk about the middle-age wage earners right. in our community are finding it difficult to own homes. And that's true across the nation, but it's also very, very true in the city of La Crosse. When you see the, the mortgage rate rise and rise and the Fed always talks about we're going we're gonna to tick it up a little bit, I think it's mortgage rate. That's one of the rates they're talking about. Um, does that infuriate you or do you understand what they're trying to do there? Because in my head, I always just say, oh, we're to, to bring down the price of cookies in the grocery store, we're going to make it harder for regular people to buy a house or buy a car because we're going to increase the interest rate. And I it, like they don't compute to me. I kind of get it's like a supply demand thing, but also like, why are we making it harder for uh, low and middle income people, working class people to buy a house or or even a car? And, uh, you know, it's it's definitely you know, heads that are much smarter than I that are figuring those things out. Um, but actually, if you take a look at like inflationary indexes and things that feed into, uh, you know, inflationary levels across the United States, about a third of those are directly related to housing. And so it's almost kind of like this give and take where as housing prices increase, it's leading to inflation, which then, of course, increase interest rates. Um, 
by default to try and level out the inflation in our community. So a lot of people don't really realize, you know, when they think inflation, they think the cost of a car or, you know, the cost of a gallon of milk, but housing actually plays a huge role in the level of inflation in our community. And so that's why, you know, these, this unending increase in housing prices is having a really huge impact on inflation. And unlike, you know, interest rates and whatnot that can recorrect itself pretty quickly, you know, so like a gallon of milk, you can increase the, the cost of a gallon, you can drop the, the price, you can increase gas, you can drop it. You know, the housing market takes a lot longer to correct itself. Yeah. And so, you know, being able to understand that this is a problem and trying to reverse ourselves, redirect ourselves now um, is probably going to save ourselves a lot of problems in the future. Because if we're not recorrecting the housing issue that we have right now, then the inflationary rates aren't going to correct themselves the way we want them to. Yeah, if you make the interest rate on a or mortgage rate on a house eight percent, then less people will buy houses, and therefore the more houses will go on the market. Because I feel like if, if I'm going to move now, the oh the housing market kind of sucks right now. Well, now I'm not going to move. I think that's so. Is is that helping or hurting the the amount of stock, so to speak, in in the housing in the area? Well, and I think that's where we hope that you know as the interest rates go up, that hopefully that that helps with the downturn in the market so that the prices don't continue to go up and, you know, maybe will level themselves out so that you can start seeing more people being able to access the market. But again, you know, the housing, that's, that's a longer. Have we seen even indications of that? Um, There's a lot of data out there that's showing that in 2024, we're going to start seeing interest rates go down, Okay. you know, slowly. Um, and then, you know, hopefully that that leads to, uh, you know, more access to, families into housing, but it, it's, it's almost gotten out of control to a point where there's going to have to be a lot of correction. And the concern is, you know, where is that going to come from and what's that going to have as an impact on the mar- housing market in general for all of us? What's La Crosse County's biggest problem when it comes to, to, is there, can you point to one thing or is it just like all multifaceted? There's so many things, but I think one of the biggest issues is just the lack of housing. You know, the, the we talk about like, we need more doors, we need more you know, front doors, and we don't have enough in the lacrosse area. And so, you know, it's basic concept of supply and demand. If you don't have a decent enough supply, that demand increases and you can start charging more um, because the market will adjust for that. And so we need to build more housing units. And it's, you know, right size, right price housing is what we talk about all the time. It's not just about, you know, the the affordable housing units. It's, it's housing in, in all levels and at all, you know, markets mm-hmm. that, is needed in the lacrosse area. But, you know, obviously we're a landlocked city. We have the bluffs and we have the Mississippi river. So, you know, land is finite and there's a lot of different zoning ordinances on the book that make it difficult to do multi-unit housing development. And so there's a, there's difficulty in adding that plus units that we need in our community to address the demand. Um, The city of lacrosse is seeing a lot of people exiting the city to buy and invest in other communities. So people are purchasing houses in Holman and on Alaska and West Salem because that's where the houses are. That's where the development is happening. And so that takes those property taxes out of our community. Mm-hmm. But the city of La Crosse bears the biggest burden in regards to all of the utilities and whatnot that we need to keep a community going. So the roads, the fire department, the police, you know, all of those things, because people come to La Crosse to access the stores and to work, but they leave to pay their property taxes and buy houses. And so we need to stop people from moving outside of the city limits and come back into La Crosse by providing 
housing. Yeah, I'm literally guilty of that. Like I just and one of the city council members, you know, he's Doug Doug Halfley, he's like, No, Rick, we gotta get you back. We gotta get you to to move here. But when I was looking for a house, and this was a decade ago, and I'm you know, my interest rate's like two percent. It's so like scary to think about like if if you ever had to switch, but it was and I I just remember looking at a house like right at the base of Bliss Road. So and it was like 150 grand, but the house I'm in was like 150 grand too. But taxes there were like seven grand a year, and taxes at my place now is like 1,500 a year. So it was like an, I'm like, what am I doing? Like, why would I pay an extra 5,500 a year for something that like doesn't compute to me as a you know like a, a single guy at that point? Well, and a lot of people are making that same decision, you know, obviously yeah. because they're not choosing to purchase or build in the city of La Crosse because those property taxes, but those property taxes pay for all the really great things that the city of La Crosse has to offer. Right. And so, you know, more housing means that that tax base gets spread out amongst more people. And hopefully then, you know, our tax burden that we pay. Yes. Comes. Yep. We'll have, we'll have to get in. Can we get into this a little bit in, in a couple of minutes? Just the, the city and the County are putting together their budget for next year. Do you care about that? Do you look into that and go, Hey, some of the priorities that you should be putting in the budget. Is that a thing? Oh, I just absolutely. thought of it. So I'll throw it at you. And if we, I probably should have threw it at you during the break, but. Oh, we're all good. I can talk forever. Okay. So we're going to talk about that too. Um, some other stats, the median home buyer right now is aged 36. That's the oldest since 1981. So uh, people that are just, you know, 36 year olds are, are, that's the average of a, of someone buying a house. That doesn't seem what, what should that age be, do you think? Well, traditionally, like when we all think about the traditional families, you know, you graduated high school, you graduated college, you started a family, you bought a house. You right. know, so you were in your early 20s, early mid-20s when you started thinking about purchasing your first home. That delay in buying a home is directly related to the value of our homes nowadays. Like people can just, entry-level jobs are not allowing people to get into the housing market. And so, you know, and also the cost of the house means people have to spend more time saving with to have a down payment for that house. So it just delays. And more and more parents are finding kids living in their houses for longer because the cost of housing has just skyrocketed over the last year. And it's causing this kind of domino effect all across our community for all of our citizens. And I don't think there's anybody out there who hasn't been impacted by it or doesn't know somebody who's been impacted by the increase in the cost of housing in our communities. Yeah, how do we how do we fix that? <laughs> More houses. More houses. It's as simple as that. All right, we got to take another break. Scott's comment coming up. Brad doing the news. We'll be back with Kai Fox from the Habitat Executive Director of the Habitat for Humanity of the Greater Lacrosse Region. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talking text line. Kai Fox. The executive director of Habitat uh, Habitat for Humanity of the Greater Lacrosse area is sitting in studio. We're talking housing in Lacrosse, talking about how we nobody can afford a house anymore, and with interest rates the way they are, it, it's getting to the point where nobody wants to. Oh wow, I can sell my house, but then I have to move and buy a house, so then nobody sells a house. I don't know. Like, do you do you see this? Is is there movement on this? Like where? You know what I'm saying. Oh, right? absolutely. Like- so we're starting to see, you know, so there's there's the buyer's market and there's the seller's market. Um, you know, so we were we were going through a, a period where a lot of people were buying houses. And so, you know, that trend is definitely starting to slow. 
Um, we're seeing less people, you know, out there trying to buy houses. You know, and the pandemic played a role in that. People were at home. They wanted to invest. They wanted to settle. Um, and so now that the, we're moving past that, we're seeing a, a downturn in the market. And so things will start adjusting themselves. The, the problem is that all of the other things that need to adjust haven't happened, you know, so like the wages and, you know, the amount of money people are able to put into savings, that hasn't adjusted to fit with that. And so, you know, even if the interest rates go down, even if housing prices go down, you know, not only does that impact us who bought houses at those prices, and now we're seeing a downward trend in the value of the properties, um, but you're all, you're not seeing the, the subsequent things that need to happen in order to make it back to where it was, where people were able to, you know, graduate from college, get married and, and turn around and invest in property. Well, people just don't do that anymore either because they graduate from college, get a job and the whole like family structure, it doesn't start at 25 anymore, anymore. In any way, it starts maybe at 30 or, or something. So we've cha- seen a change there, but that doesn't mean that they can't buy a house. It's just, it becomes harder, I guess, without two incomes because we live in that world as well. Yeah, and, and there, there's so many different factors that play a role in it. You know, so people savings that people have in, in you know in their bank accounts has dropped over the years. So people aren't able to put away as much for a nest egg um, as they used to be able to do. And that was what people used to, you know, offset the price of a house. They use it as their down payment to purchase. And you're not seeing that anymore. Um, the average low-income family uh, in the Midwest, in Wisconsin, in La Crosse, about 95% of them will never be able to save enough money to buy a house. There's just not, there's not the gap in their wages to allow them to put aside the money to buy a house. Where, you know, back in the day, you know, even a starter job allowed you the money that you needed to put aside to be able to move into home ownership. It was kind of funny, too, because back in the day, the interest rates were like 20%, weren't they? The mortgage Absolutely. rates? So that was kind of the, a weird, like, balance there that, that was, because when, yeah, when my parents bought the house, it was probably 20, 30%. And it was like, are you crazy? Because mine's like two. Yeah. But now it's eight. And eight seems like a lot. But I don't know. But but different times. Oh, yeah. And, and, and back in the day when your parents were buying houses, the rule of thumb was you a year's worth of wages. So whatever you made in a year, that's what you kind of looked at as much as what you bought for a house. So if you made $20,000 a year, you bought a house for $20,000. Oh, really? existed out there. You know, and now we're buying houses that are two, three, four, five times our yearly wages. So well, the yearly wage would be like. The, the rent you might pay in a house yep. at this point, like your yearly wage. Um, uh, okay, so just very generally, La Crosse, City of La Crosse, in terms of well, there's three colleges here. Um, we've talked about this a little bit. I don't know if you know this off the top of your head. Is there too many rentals here? Is there not enough rentals? Oh, Is there's good- not enough. There's, There's not, not enough, enough of anything, oh, okay. you know, so the rental vacancy rate in La Crosse hovers at around 1%. And that's, that's unheard of. You know, most people have oh, a wow. lot more vacant rental properties in their community, but because of the, you know, the colleges and the hospitals and a lot of the working wage earners in our area, there's a high demand for rental properties. And again, we're talking about supply and demand, which is where we see high rental prices and deferred maintenance on a lot of the properties in La Crosse because, you know, a landlord, if somebody moves out, there's 10 people in line for that same unit because there's a lot of demand for rental housing in our area. So that also means that the city of La Crosse is kind of flipped in the number of homeowners versus renters that we have in our community. So most communities, the balance you want to have is about 60% homeowners. Right. Those are the people that invest, they pay the taxes, they keep their properties up. Um, so you want about a 60-40 split. We flipped that in La Crosse. So we have about 60% rentals and you know 40 to 45% homeownership in our area. Is that a bad thing? 
Yes, because you don't have the the commitments in your communities. You don't have yeah. people investing, and you know deferred maintenance is something that but happens. That's, but that seems to be a need too. The oh. the need for sixty percent rental because of the co- the situation, the colleges. And when you say hospitals, is that because like nurses are coming and going all the time? I I know some traveling nurses, but. Yep. And you have, you know, doctors who are coming to do, you know, their whatever internships and whatnot. So they're not here for long periods of time. So there's transition. Um, So you see that. And I can't think of that term. What is that term when doctors, um, it's been a while since I watched Scrub. So it's been a while since I've I've been a doctor. Um, Okay. So, but, but the, the general theme is the city of La Crosse doesn't have enough housing, but then it has too much rentals, but it also doesn't have enough rentals. It's oh, yeah. so it's like, and that's why I say that the biggest thing is you need, we need more housing across the board in the city of La Crosse because, you know, the population in the city of La Crosse hasn't grown past the hovering around 50,000. Is there potential per year. that is there potential for more housing? Like, oh, absolutely. Where, where and where would we see that? Well, I think one of the biggest things is talking more about density in our housing. So um, if you take a look at overlays on, you know, zoning and lot sizes through the years. So you can, you know, do your Google Maps searches and see developments that were happening in the 1950s versus developments that are happening today. Our lot sizes in the city of La Crosse has grown and grown and grown. People want bigger backyards. want an acre. Yes, we want bigger properties. And what that has done is limited you know the uh, the ability to grow houses. So when this when the city council gets a somebody that wants to buy the piece of land next to their house and they have to make a decision on whether or not to let them just acquire the land and use it as land as opposed to that would be another housing uh, another house would be built there or they want to tear that house down. So we got to stop doing stuff like that. Not that the city council I can't remember how they decided. That was just one little thing on the on the agenda probably a year ago. Oh yeah. So. Yes, there, there's a lot of people that will buy properties because they just want to extend their yard. And like I said, so if you look over these overlays, you see a lot of really great green space, but that green space is is being owned by individuals. Mm-hmm. So one family has access to that beautiful backyard where we could shrink our lot sizes, put up more parklets and outdoor spaces for people where it's shared green space and still meet the needs of our community by having access to the outdoors. I mean, we, we've got enough parks. We don't, yeah. Know, yeah. yeah, and we do. So but, do we need to, do we need high rises? Do we need to take the bank that's across the street and turn it into uh, apartments like that? We need to think of those innovative types of solutions. We need to think about, you know, when developing single family housing, can we do three, four, five units can we shrink lot sizes and instead of one house going on a, on a larger lot, could we put two or three different units? Um, you know, can we take a look at mixed use? So, you know, uh, home ownership on the first floor and maybe rentals above. There's a lot of different innovative things that other communities across the United States have done to address it. And I think it's just a matter of we need to start seeing the problem, addressing the problem, and, and working together to come up with those innovative solutions, which, you know, to be honest, it starts at the city and the zoning and providing better opportunities and less red tape to be able to develop this type of housing. Are you, are you promoting the idea that when I want to borrow the, when I, if I need sugar or something for my neighbor, instead of like walking over to the neighbors, I can just open my window and knock on, you want housing units that close together? Oh no. I like, Hey, 
I, I see you guys over there. Can you? Can, I need some sugar, and you I, just knock on their window from your window. Oh, maybe you know, <laughs> and, and not for all housing. You know, again, yeah. it's right size, right price housing. So there's there's got to be a mix, but we have to be able to, you know, have zoning and laws in our communities that allows for that innovative use and mix because we want families in our community, and to be honest, they're not moving into our community. So how do we bring families back? How do we want get people to make an investment? And that's by taking a look at a variety of different housing solutions. Okay, so the city and the county are going through budgets, and on November 13th, they're, oddly enough, they're having their public hearings on the same day. One's at 5, one's at 6. So I don't know if that's perfect because maybe the public hearing only takes an hour, or that's very imperfect because you'll either have to go to the county one or the city one. Um, but is there stuff... I don't. Are you, are you promoting anything that, hey, as a Habitat, we think you should do this as uh, when the city and the county are looking at their budget? Well, obviously, we, we want to support anything that has to do with the development of housing in our communities. And so we are definitely encouraging the city of La Crosse and the county to invest in, you know, any type of housing things that are on their budget. But I think right now, you know, especially in the city of La Crosse, if you take a look at their budgets, they're they're tight. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's harder and harder to kind of meet the costs of our community because we've all known things have been rising in price and that the city of La Crosse is not exempt from that. Um, so my concern is just it's tight. And so where is the opportunity for the city of La Crosse to find solutions and funding to support housing? So I think that's where we've got to step back and start talking to our community partners. If it wasn't tight, what could for example, the city do to promote housing? Would it just be, because there was a plan a couple of years ago to buy that bank or credit union by Menards mm-hmm. and turn that into affordable housing, mm-hmm. and which would just, you know, I don't know exactly. I think we did that with a school on the north side. It, it would have to be affordable housing, I guess, for like a decade or something. And then you could charge whatever rent you wanted. I don't know how that works after that period of time. But that plan never it, never, it it fell through. It didn't get approved by the council. And, and now it's, you know, a year later. So now we don't have any money, apparently, to do stuff like that. But like what other if there was, would it, would it, would it just be multiple things like that? Or did, what other solutions? would? There oh, be? absolutely. And I think, you know, just, you know, educating people in the community that, you know, affordable housing has always been kind of seen as a bad word. You know, oh, it's going to bring in those types of people to our community. It's a weird, it's a weird way to look at it. Affordable housing. Oh my God, we need unaffordable housing. And so there's a lot of people <laughs> that when they hear that, when they hear about uh, you know affordable housing units going into their neighborhood, they start worrying about what that's going to bring. Yeah, and I call I think, it the get off my lawn legislation. And like, so I think one of the things is just understanding, you know, if you are looking for a vibrant community where you know, the cost of our properties and the property taxes don't skyrocket through the roof. We have to create a community that's inviting to everybody. And we have to provide housing that is available and accessible to everybody. And so, you know, a lot of times, you know, these really great innovative solutions that provide more units will get defeated at the council level because people don't like that idea of affordable housing. And there's been some examples where affordable housing units have gone in and, and it has created some negative impacts. And so people remember those, they don't remember the really beautiful affordable housing units. Well, the school on the North side is I've had phone calls saying, yeah, we were scared. And then it happened. And it was like, Oh, people just want to live in an apartment. Uh, There was a, there was a, there's an empty lot. I don't know what it looks like now. I haven't just paid attention to it across from the the backside of the YMCA and lacrosse. And that was going to be an apartment complex. And that was voted down uh, based, based on like the, 
you know, people being outraged that there's going to be an apartment complex, even though the Y and the YWCA is right there. So the idea that something that brings traffic or I don't know, but those, those kind of things need to be looked upon as positive, not negative. Oh, absolutely. Because the more units that we have, the more that we drive up, you know, the, the number of properties available, it drives down that demand in the community. And so then, you know, rental properties are going to have to maintain themselves better because they're going to be competing against some of these newer units. And so there's not going to be, you know, these dilapidated properties because, you know, hopefully the landlords are going to be interested in increasing their properties and maintaining their properties because now there's more of a supply out there. And so we're hoping that, you know, it's it's a long term. I said housing doesn't correct itself overnight, yeah. but hopefully adding units to our community at the end of the day, we're all going to be benefiting from those additional housing units, whether they're affordable, whether they're middle income or whether they're higher end housing. How many houses do you guys, would you call it flip or or build or rebuild? How many do you do? How many, how many does Habitat do a year? So this year we did 12. Okay. So, Is that a know, record? Oh, yes, absolutely. We are very proud of our 12 What was houses. second place? What was the most you did before that? I think six. Oh, really? Yeah, so we, well, we doubled it. So, yeah, we're very excited. We're doing more well, How houses. are you doing that? <laughs> <laughs> if housing is more expensive, I, I mean, I, like, what is the process? So there's a lot of layering that goes into each house that you develop. So you're looking at, you know, donor dollars, restore dollars, grant dollars. Um, we actually will sell our loans to secondary markets after we close on the property. So those are an asset that we hold at Habitat for Humanity. Selling mortgages will also bring us in dollars so that we can continue to flip houses and make more homes. So there's a variety of different ways. And it's just about getting out in your community and getting creative. Um, You know, short-term construction loans, you know, those are all of the different tools that we have to use. And it's different for every single house. So that layering, that funding layer has to be developed at the beginning for all 12 houses that we build. When we talk about development in, in lacrosse, there's the, the conversation is about challenges with the interest rates and the supply, the, the, the cost of supplies. You have them same, you have those same challenges, but mm-hmm. if you're, but you just doubled the amount of, mm-hmm. is that because people are more generous and donating to habitat more or is it, or are you just powering through? Like, we just yeah, gotta get it done. No, it's, it's, it's getting creative. You know, yeah. it's, it's finding different solutions and different funding sources and different, you know, methods of construction. And then even just down to the basic level, like, you know, pouring a foundation and paying somebody to excavate and pour a foundation is exorbitant these mm. days. So we're doing it ourselves. You know, yeah. we're, we're pouring and doing our own foundation. You have that because- single mom that has two kids that's moving in the 150 uh, sweat equity hours, she's actually pouring the cement. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. <laughs> You're going to learn this, lady. <laughs> so, you know, we're taking a look at it from all levels. You yeah. know, how do we, it, we're reusing materials a lot more than we ever did before. So. Is that why I can't think find anything at the restore? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it doesn't, yes, yes. We are definitely <laughs> taking more out of the restore. Uh, 608-785-7914. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll come back uh, with Kai Fox, Habitat for Humanity of Greater Lacrosse Region's Executive Director. All right, just going to wrap up here with Kai Fox, the executive director for Habitat of for Habitat for Humanity of the Greater Lacrosse Region. I'm getting ahead of myself there. Um, okay, this might not be city county budget related, but you call it, you've brought it up a couple of different times. The red tape, the regulation, we you know, deregulate. Um, what if if we need more housing and the city doesn't have any money to maybe like invest in 
maybe subsidize. We're talking about subsidizing childcare, right? Like we could uh-huh. be subsidizing housing, uh, give a company a certain amount of money to buy that chamber or not chamber building, uh, that bank by Menards and then subsidize it so that it's profitable for them, but also it's affordable housing. Okay. So what can the, what, what can the city do in terms of the red tape? Is there anything there that, that we should have on the monthly agenda that they should be deregulating? I don't know. I think definitely taking a look at our zoning. You know, there's some definite changes and, you know, our agency in partnership with a bunch of other low income housing agencies sent four recommendations up to the city of La Crosse of some very simple zoning changes that they could make that would allow for easier development of housing in our community. I'm not talking affordable housing, housing across the board. And so, you know, deregulating the number of units that can go in a single lot, decreasing the lot sizes, uh, decreasing the setbacks that are out there. There's a lot of different things that we could take a look at that would make housing development in our community easier. The longer it takes to develop a home, the more money it's going to cost. And so if we can eliminate some of that to get these projects out there, and especially some of these really cool innovative ones, is going to go a long way to seeing housing uh, grow in our community and then lessening the burden to people who are homeowners, who are renters, who are struggling. What are the cool ones? You said they're really cool ones. Do you like housing examples? Oh, yeah. So the like a mixed income housing development, you know, where you're taking a look at, you know, meeting some of the needs by developing market rate Is housing. Is this Kaya Fox cool? And not, oh, maybe not. yeah. All, uh, all Kaya Fox cool. <laughs> As opposed cool. to like in general cool. So you're just talking, um, the, the Kmart development has town townhouses or townhomes. I can't remember what. So uh, up upstairs would be like. You could buy apartments. I always think Seinfeld, like Jerry owned his apartment in Kramer yes. across the road, owned his apartment. But there was a huge building, right? Like I think he lived on the fourth floor. Um, this is a little bit different scope. So it would be two floors. Maybe maybe I thought they were talking about having multiple floors. But the upper floors would be you could buy those apartments. Yeah. So those those are some of those really neat innovations that could come, you know, and, and making that mixed use, mixed income you know, mix between rental and home ownership all in one type of development so that we're meeting the needs of our community. And then also understanding what those needs are. I don't think if you ask the city of La Crosse, how many more rental units do we need? Would they be able to give you an answer? Um, we need to get to that answer. We need to get to that right price, right sized housing. What does that mean in our community? And so, you know, encouraging the city of La Crosse to invest in finding those answers and then using that as that template to take a look at projects as they come in, do they meet the needs of our community and making sure that as we push projects forward, that those projects are meeting something that we need. This, uh, the comprehensive plan for the city of La Crosse should be coming out very soon. And that's going to help guide us as we make decisions about housing in our community. Like what if we took the bank building across the road and like, is that an example of something that like we could turn all of those into apartments that you would buy? Oh, I mean, absolutely. Could we put that? Is that like the dream for somebody like you? Like that? Oh, that would really solve our housing problems because then it'd be a hundred apartments that that people could live and buy. Right? Oh, absolutely. You know that, but that's just one of the solutions. You know, a hundred units is fabulous, and it would go a long way in our community. The more housing that we're putting in, some of these larger developments that are happening are doing a great job in adding those front doors in our community. But again, it's taking that step back and understanding, okay, now we have a hundred more market rate units. That's great. We need them, but where else is housing needed and where are, where's that level of importance? Because affordable housing is also something that's desperately needed, um, but is a lot harder to achieve in our community. So how do we define it and then move to solutions to meet those needs? All right. Last thing, 
how can people help Habitat? Oh, you there's got a, so many You got a minute. Ways. Like, what, what, what do you need? What do you need right now? So, obviously, we're heading towards the end of the year and looking to 2024. We've got a whole bunch more development plans in place. Uh, we just are going to be selecting five new partner families uh, by the end of this week. So, there's a lot of really great things happening. We're launching new programs. We're helping more people in the community. So, obviously, donations, end-of-year giving, think about contributing to Habitat. But, again, there's so much more. You know, shop at the ReStore. When you shop at the ReStore, you're supporting affordable housing in your community. You're helping your own neighbors and you're stopping things from going into the landfill um, and then also it's we have over a thousand volunteers at Habitat for Humanity that make the work we do possible so if you've got nothing else but spare time consider volunteering at when Habitat. you volunteer are you volunteering because you need somebody to work the hammer or do you need somebody to like unload in the back or both all of the above we have so many opportunities for volunteers so you can go to our website at habitatlacrosse.org and find out more about how you can give back all right that's kaya fox she's the executive director of habitat for humanity of the greater lacrosse region thanks kaya all right tomorrow rebecca cook's gonna be on she's running for congress thanks everybody for listening